Hey listeners, before we get started, I want to point you in the direction for a great resource for any midwife, birth worker, anyone looking to branch out and be an entrepreneur. Check out midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. She has several resources on there as well as some courses. If you sign up for a course, use the discount code journey20discount for 20% off. Go check out midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. Welcome to the Journey to Midwifery podcast. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor, nurse, midwife turned podcast host. It is our job and passion as midwives to listen to everyone else's story, their journey, their birth story. Now it's our turn to share. So here I am asking these midwives, what's your story? Join me each episode to hear the journey, the passion, and the mission of midwives today. Hello, everybody. Um, on today's podcast, we have Mercy, who is a licensed midwife in Texas. So, hi, Mercy. Give us Hello. an intro. Tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Mercy Izingo with uh, Comforts of Home Midwifery. I'm a home birth midwife in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and um, also in southern Oklahoma. Um, I'm a, a mom of four and uh Awesome. How long have you been a midwife? I have been a midwife for almost 12 years now. Oh, you are super experienced. So what made you go into midwifery? Well, that's kind of a long story. I'll try and keep it short for you. Um, <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> I, um, I've been exposed to home birth and midwives almost my whole life. Um, I got to see my little brother be born at home when I was seven and a half. And um, so I knew I might want a home birth one day. Um, The town I was living in when I had my oldest at at 18 did not have midwives available. And um, I didn't have a super horrible birth experience, but I didn't have a great birth experience, and I just felt like it could be better. Um, So then a year and a half later, I took um, Bradley childbirth classes with a friend of mine who was pregnant, and the, the Bradley teacher just saw my interest in everything she was teaching me and just kept giving me lots of books to read and um, she told me, you should become a doula. So then when another girl in the class um, with, that was also a friend of mine was like, hey, do you want to come to my birth, too, and be my, be one of my doulas? I was like, sure. Um, and then it, I went to her birth first, and it was a really horrific experience. Um, <laughs> we had... We had had two old men, dinosaur doctors in the town forever that nobody liked. And they just felt like if we got a woman doctor in town, birth would be so much better. And uh, this woman came into town and realizing that that's what was on everybody's mind, 
she made all these promises to the women of the town and told them, uh, you know, she would do what whatever they were requesting for their births. And then when it came to their actual birth, did not um, live up to any of her promises, just was not respectful of women in general, would lie to them. And um, at my friend's birth, um, she was very preoccupied with her instruments and what was going on behind her and my friends pushing her baby. And the um, nobody was paying attention, and it looked like the baby was going to come out. So I go to grab just in case this baby comes out while nobody else is paying attention. And the, um, the doctor, she's like, that baby's not coming out without an episiotomy. Mm. So my, um, the doula in- instructor, doula slash Bradley instructor was also at the present at the birth. And she says to the friend giving birth, Christina, you didn't want an episiotomy, did you? And the doctor said, well, she needs one. And she cut her turned around and again was focused on what was going on behind her um messing around with her instruments my friend pushes again and the baby ends up in the trash can on the floor (gasps) oh my gosh yes that's awful i was so horrified this is my first birth other than you know seeing my siblings born years and years before that and the baby's in the trash can. Oh, was it okay? He turned out okay. He had a flat head for a long time. Um, but then the the doctor totally lied about what happened to my friend and said that the reason he came out so fast was because he had a nuchal hand. And um, anybody who knows anything about a nuchal hand knows that it usually take makes the baby mm-hmm. come out slower not yeah. faster mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh that's yeah, traumatic so to watch it, it was but I decided I was going to become a midwife so that uh, women would have more choices would have would not be stuck with people like that that's a good reason. So how, what was your training like? Can you share that? Your schooling? Um, I, this, now all this took place in, when I lived in California. Um, I have since moved to Texas. And um, at that time that I first moved to Texas, I realized Texas was a little bit more midwife friendly and easier to become. A midwife. So I um, ended up enrolling in the Association of Texas Midwives uh, Midwifery Training Program and um, did my, my training through them. Okay. And how was that? Walk me through it because I am not educated on that process. So at, they've revamped their program like three times. We're, and getting ready to do it again. 
um, since then. But at that time, they uh, it was they had just added a sixth module. So there were six modules that you completed. It was distance program. So um, you would do all the book work on your own. Um, back then it was uh, pen and paper or they gave you a CD-ROM so you could type up the answers if you wanted and print it out neater. Um, at the end of each module, you would travel to somewhere in the state to attend um, a workshop with the other students that were in the same module as you and then take a test over what you had learned. Would there be hands-on skills practice at each module or was it just a written test? It, it um, the hands-on was also part of it. Okay, that. okay. And then how long was the book work and how long was the clinical work? So it, it really was self-paced. Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple of delays uh, due to work schedule because I was um, at the beginning of it, I was working full time as at a um, private school. I was a teacher at an Abeka video school. And so um, the for the book work part, part of it, it took me about two and a half years to complete. And then for the um, apprenticeship hands-on training part, it took me four years to get all my numbers. Okay. And then, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but then you submit that portfolio to MANA? Um, actually, uh, the Association of Texas Midwives submits it all to the state of Texas. Okay. And at that time, because... Uh, ATM works directly with Texas um, on licensing and things like that. They would they would set up, and that was back when the NARM was only held twice a year. So like, um, you had to wait for the next time it became available. Oh, NARM, that's what it is. I get that yeah. mixed up. Thank you. Um, and then in the state of Texas, who like licensed midwives what are you under for example I'm under the board of nursing who owns that in Texas we are now under the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation okay and that can be different for each state is that correct right yeah and we yeah. used to be under a separate Texas midwifery board and that changed a couple of years ago okay and you did you have some babies while you were going through your training? How did and if so, how did you manage that? Um, I had my my boys were uh, ten, nine, and six when I started, I think. And so then they were, you know, fourteen and whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm totally blanking on their ages now. Um, 11, I guess, when we were done, when, by the time I finished. Okay. Um, so they were a little bit older, which was nice, uh, than, um, having to deal, do it all with babe, baby babies. Yeah, sure. Um, 
So it was easy to transition, easier to transition them going to a babysitter mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. My other two kids were born after I was a midwife. Okay. So to go back to choosing the path of a licensed midwife, what made your choice of that versus, for example, a CNM? So when I first started out in, in California, um, it was actually going to be easier to become a nurse midwife. So I had started working towards um, the prerequisites for becoming an RN. Um, and one of those prerequisites was that you had to be a CNA first. And uh, so I had started my CNA training and was working in a nursing home um, to make money and then uh, was going to start taking all my college classes uh for those prerequisites when I unexpectedly moved to Texas and um, it wasn't. So at that time, the CNM route was what was going to be the best for my family. But when I found out that Texas was a little bit more midwife friendly um, and the more I looked into it, I felt like the CPM route was better for me. Mm-hmm. More suited, like, what you wanted to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And length of schooling, things like that. Mm -hmm. So share what your practice and work has been since you were certified. You own your own business. How does that look for you? Well, I, I will say that's probably the hardest part about being a midwife is being a business owner. Um, I started out down in South Texas and after three years down there, um, my business just wasn't really growing. And, um, so I moved up to the Dallas Fort Worth area because, uh, my parents live up here. And so they helped me get reestablished in an area where I knew no one. How long have you been where you're at? Um, I have been in Denton for eight years now. Okay. And how's your business? Like how many births do you do a month? How does that look? It still varies. Um, I have peaks where I'm super busy and then I have dips in business. And I, and that's true with pretty much any business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I limit myself to no more than four per month because Mm -hmm. I do a lot of traveling for my clients. Um, Since I don't have a birth center, uh, I will cover the whole Dallas Fort Worth area and beyond. Like I do go up into Oklahoma. um, So sometimes I'm traveling two hours for clients. Uh, If if they were all in Denton, then I would take more per month, but Mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen that way. How did you manage, you had two babies since you've been a, a home birth midwife. How did you swing that? Like, did you take, did you schedule yourself so you had time off? How did you deal with newborns and home birth? Well, my, the first one was right after I got licensed. Like I found out I was pregnant the day before my, um, ATM graduation. Um, 
So I was still in that early business building stage and had just gotten my first client like halfway through his pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, I didn't have people actually birthing until after he was already born. Okay. Um, Did you bring him along for the birth? um, I was going to, but then um, I ended up transferring clients out. And his, my first birth wasn't till he was a year old. And at that point he was ready to be able to stay with grandma Mm -hmm. um, for while I was gone. A one-year-old at a birth is probably not very fun. <laughs> right. No. Okay. Um, and then you had another baby. Yes. And that with her, I took some time off. Okay. You just scheduled yourself. Yeah. So you weren't having. Okay. Um, so how do you feel now at this point in your practice? How's your work-life balance? Are you satisfied? Do you feel like you need to adjust? What are your thoughts? Um, I've had a little bit of a break lately in clients, so I've had some time to relax and I'm ready to start growing things back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a question we talked about earlier, but how, if you've dealt with trauma or burnout or feeling like you've wanted to quit along this journey, Can you tell us a little bit about that? And how did you get through that? So this has actually been a topic in one of the midwife groups that I'm in right now. Um, And while some of it's the workload, if you if you have a busy practice like some of the other midwives who are doing, you know, eight to ten births or more a month, um, they're burnt out from the client load. But some of us, it's more, in my case in particular, it's more the management, the business management side of things that that causes the burnout. Um, And I'm kind of facing that right now just because I feel like I have to do all the tricks and things to um, to make my business grow. And then when it's not growing, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Do you deal with insurance or no? Um, a little bit, not a whole lot. I use an insurance biller just because it's such a headache, but that in itself has caused me some problems as well. Um, I've heard that often. That's why I asked. A, a lot of the insurance billers just don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then they've caused some big problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for a long time I would for like five years I was cash only and um, because of some situations that happened in the last uh, year or so I guess it was um, I have considered going back to cash only. Mm-hmm. So did you say how you pushed through those feelings? Um, I, it really just focusing on why, why I'm doing this, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that I am wanting to do, to help women and give them options they wouldn't have otherwise, mm-hmm. um, getting back to the why of it is worth the headache of 
working on your website for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit about the finances either, you know, I'm sure it's tricky being a home birth business owner, but what might one expect they could make if they did this in Texas or per birth or however you want to address that topic? So the average home birth midwife is charging about four to $5,000 right now per birth. And then, um, some of the birth centers are going up towards six to 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just depends on how many clients you're willing to take per month mm-hmm. or you're able to get per month. Um, so like on average, I'm doing about 53,000 a year. Okay. I know there are some midwives who are making over a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, some of the, like the birth centers easily are making three times that, but have a lot more overhead because they have the birth center. That was going to be my question is like, how much are, you know, what are they actually taking home? Cause that's a lot of overhead. That I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know just food for thought because <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it. You add in labs and x-rays and or ultrasounds and all those things. So, right. Um, so you've been through this long journey. Do you have a characteristic or a quality that you feel that has helped you persist through all of this? Your troubles, your love, your passion? Uh, I would say I'm very persistent, especially if something's important to me and becoming a midwife was very important to me mm-hmm. and still is. Do you have advice for someone who wants to be a midwife that might come to you and ask, Hey, what do you think? Um, I love to sit down and talk to people who have questions about becoming a midwife. Uh, I don't like, like if they try to just email me a, and ask me um, I feel like it's more of a, a thing that requires a conversation because there's so much more involved to midwifery than what most midwifery students realize. And so if a woman tells me, oh, I want to become a midwife because I like babies. I'm like, OK, you need to really think about this mm-hmm. before you start it, because so little of what I do is actually getting to do work with babies mm-hmm. it's more about working with the women and making sure they're healthy and that they have the experience that they want then I hardly touch babies other than like the newborn exam after the baby's born and the six-week visit I usually don't touch them very much yep that's very true so tell me about your business, your social media, all that. Do your self-plug. Well, I have a website. I am comfortsofhomemidwifery.com. Uh, you can find me under that same name on Facebook. And I am Denton Midwife on almost any other social media you can find. Um, mostly I focus on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> I have some others, but they 
I don't really use them much. Mm-hmm. Instagram's a good platform. And then in addition, so you are a home birth. How do your clients see you for prenatal visits? Are you home visiting for all the visits or do they come to you? I do have an office, um, which I've only had for about two years now. Mm-hmm. I used to do all home visits. Um, I still do home visits for repeat clients. And I'm looking at the possibility of going back to just all home visits. Because mm-hmm. then that overhead goes away, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And then in your, as a CPM, you can also do some well woman as long as it's within those childbearing ages. Is that correct? Like pap smears uh, and things? Very minimal. I, okay. I don't offer much on that. Um, okay. I do pap smears for my some of my clients, but that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, to me, that's so helpful, and I love hearing all the different ways people practice and their passion. Well, thank you for interviewing with me. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to interview or know someone who does or encourage someone who has a great story or viewpoint to share, have them reach out to me. Easy to find. I'm in one place now. Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes and on the podcast page. But again, Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you and share your story.